Welcome to Blue Notes On Air. Join us as we chat with experts, analysts and commentators from the Asian region about business, culture and economics. Can you imagine your social media profile being used to determine whether or not you um, are a viable renter for housing and they deny you based on a frat photo? Today, we speak to ANZ's Michelle Pinheiro about privacy, Cambridge Analytica, and the right to be forgotten. We hope you enjoy the discussion. In the last couple of weeks, we've been getting all these emails with whether it's Google or Twitter or whether it's a retailer saying, uh, here is our new privacy policy, or here we are restating our um, privacy policy. And you think, oh, is this just because of Facebook? We all know what's going on with Facebook. Or is there something else? What is generating all this interest in privacy at the moment? You are right. Um, In the last uh, couple of months, there have been many emails, many news stories that have been... um, uh, have come out of the what's known as the Cambridge Analytica Facebook scandal. But that's really, I think, the tipping point. I think there's been a, an undercurrent of concern that has been growing around privacy for a number of years, um, particularly um, in the last couple of years as there's been a lot of talk around um, uh, data science and um, analytics, deep analytics in data. But the, the Facebook Analytica scandal is, is certainly an interesting one um, and one that I've done a bit of research about and it's probably the worst case scenario that, um, that has caused the, the mass uproar across the globe in terms of privacy. And, and it's really quite a nefarious use of, of personal information. You say nefarious so I suppose if we can break that down what what was nefarious I, like my understanding and I'm, I'm not an expert is people didn't know it was happening people had no idea about the detail of the information that was being gathered and where it was being gathered from and just how complete a picture could be garnered of individuals and then how it could actually be used is that is that sort of what we're talking about here? That is exactly what we're talking about. So there are a number of different elements to this story. Um, the first one is how the data managed to, to leave Facebook, and that's that's one element of the story, and that was um, there's an issue around consent in regards to that. So um, a number of users, users were targeted for a particular app called um, My Digital Life, um, and as a result of giving consent for their personal information to leave P- Facebook to go into that third-party app, all of their friends' personal information went as well. The issue is that they didn't tell anybody that this happened. And that's not really the nefarious part either. The nefarious part is that um, the data managed to get into the hands of Cambridge Analytica and then they conducted a process of what they call psychographic profiling. So there's a lot of profiling of individuals that goes on in organisations, demographic profiling, marketing segmenting profiling. Um, But this kind of psychographic profiling really doesn't pass the reasonableness test in the eyes of most people. So this is the kind of thing where they are able to understand how open you are 
to change or, or different things in the world, whether you're introverted, whether you're argumentative, whether you're neurotic, and what kind of things can push your emotional buttons. From what you're saying, the, the picture that can be done, built up now of individuals is both incredibly accurate and able to be manipulated. One of the quotes out of the scandal is that based on uh, 300 of your likes, um, Cambridge Analytica were able to um, predict your personality better than your spouse. The challenge for you is that as a person you have a right to change. So the person you are now, now may not be the same person that you were when you were 18. So can you imagine your social media profile being used to determine whether or not you um, are a viable renter for mm. housing and they deny you based on a frat photo that was posted about you when you are 18 years old. So the challenge is that it is your history laid out there for everyone to see and evaluate. The general data protection regulation, which actually is the specific thing that a lot of these emails we've been getting is about... It's a piece of European regulation. You talk about how this has been an emerging issue for a number of years now. Is this what GDPR is attempting to address? Does it help us in Australia or does it affect us in Australia and New Zealand and Asia? Uh, it does impact us. So it's, it's a global regulation that follows the EU resident wherever they go. So where it impacts us and, and our organisations as part of ANZ is wherever we have a record of a human, so it doesn't necessarily need to be a customer, it can be an employee or a contact within a, a third-party organisation such as a director. Um, if they are, are domiciled in the EU, then they are covered by GDPR. So this is a this is called long arm jurisdiction, which means that a local court in the EU has the ability to assess jurisdiction over someone in another country. It gives um, the individual much greater control over um, how their data is used, how it is collected, and it gives them the ability to to give consent into how it is used and the right to object in how it is used mm. as well. Individuals that are covered by GDPR now have additional rights. They're called SARs or subject access requests. And, and an example of um, one of those is the right to be forgotten. And that really goes to the essence of what privacy is about. When um, privacy was really, the, the thoughts around privacy were being created, it was the right to be left alone. That, that's the inherent human right of being left alone. And so what these laws do are um, allow people to be left alone and have their data removed so that they are no longer contacted or they cannot be profiled um, by uh, particular organisations if they don't want that to happen anymore. So it's really about the value exchange that you perceive you're getting out of that, that exchange for your data. Where we re need to really think about it and object is where you feel that there is more information being collected than is required for you to be provided with that product or service. And, and quite often that really goes into sensitive information or information that is about your behaviours or things that you can't change about yourself that might be used to deny a product or service to you in the future or treat you unfairly. 
at the end of the day, this is all about fairness. As an organisation, we need to be fair with our customers in terms of how we use their data. So um, in GDPR and also in our privacy law, they talk about the reasonableness test. So it has to be reasonable in the eyes of the person whose data it is. And um, as an organisation, we've interpreted that into our privacy and ethics data principles. And fairness and benefit to the customer is one of are two of the key principles that we evaluate any use cases of data against. Is this what you're in charge of, in effect, deciding whether things are reasonable or not? Yes, yes. I would have to say in the last two to three years, there's a greater focus over data use. Um, As there's much more prolific sharing of data and access to data, um, how data is used has a much greater focus. And so bringing governance controls... Um, within the organisation to ensure that we protect our customers. We also protect the bank in terms of how data is used in, in um, any uh, data initiative or use case across, across the organisation. And, I mean, we're in the middle of a royal commission into the financial services sector and it you know, hasn't been happy reading for a lot in the sector. But underlying a lot of this is this issue of trust. You know, we've seen various surveys talk about trust in, in not just financial institutions but a lot of institutions decline and trust in government decline so your role essentially picks up some of that um, uh, some of the the ways that we may be able to build trust I suppose is absolutely this is all about trust trust is the key factor here when I look at the legislation that we need to adhere to now and also potential legislation as it comes in the future I always look at it from a trust perspective and how that is going to build the trust relationship with our customers, not purely from a risk-based perspective um, for the organisation. The privacy and ethics data principles that we have created are simple and they've been created so that they can be embedded in our culture. And this is, this is what's called privacy by design. Is that that concept? Yes, it is. So it is building the foundations for maintaining a customer's privacy into everything we do in the foundational elements of our software engineering and our applications and our digital strategy. Thank you for listening to Blue Notes On Air. Blue Notes On Air was produced by the Blue Notes editorial team with music by Kevin McLeod. 